that's wonderful to have Trey and uh, Taina uh, being baptized this morning. And uh, we're just, I know that you as a church body will be praying for them and encouraging them along in their Christian life and in their walk with the Lord as they make that profession of their faith in Christ public, that they'll be walking with them all of, the, of their days that the Lord gives to them and be that ambassador for Jesus Christ that God has, has called them to. So uh, I do want to just um, have a word of prayer as we begin, uh, but we want to think of uh, uh, Paul Oskins this morning and, and uh, have some prayer for him. He's, he probably has maybe has food poisoning, uh, but he's throwing up, and if some of you know his condition, it's a situation where it could be uh, com complicated and compre uh, compli very complicated for him. So uh, let's pray as a congregation for Paul, and uh, while we're at it, I'll pray for Tommy and for Sherry as well, and, and uh, I'm just going to pray for some of our people because there's a lot of need for prayer. Uh, this time. Father, we're so thankful to be here this morning, and what a celebration uh, we have with the baptisms. Uh, Lord, uh, we just love to, to see the work of your grace at, uh, at Grace Bible Church and through your people and, and in your families uh, that you've called and gathered here. And uh, Lord, we're rejoicing and uh, always in the time that we come to worship you and giving thanks for your great mercies to us. Uh, we do pray, Lord, for uh, the needs that we have in our church body. Lord, we, we lift up uh, Paul to you this morning for the urgency of his uh, need. We just pray that you would uh, alleviate uh, the issues there, that, uh, that he would not get uh, dehydrated and uh, that there would not be... Uh, even uh, more severe uh, complications with uh, his uh, situation. Uh, we pray, God, for Emily as she tends and looks on, and uh, we pray for your mercies for her um, and ask that uh, your grace would be with them. Um, we uh, pray as well for Tommy, Lord, uh, diagnosed with uh, COVID. We pray that you would... Uh, uh, bless him with uh, your strength and recovery of his uh, life, uh, uh, his health. And uh, uh, Lord, we just pray uh, for your mercies with he and Sue. For Sandy and Sherry, they're not with us this morning as well because of Sherry's uh, possible COVID uh, issues. We pray, Lord God, for your healing there. And we know that you're the great healer, Lord. We always come to you uh, for your great mercies and, and for uh, your healing. Uh, we pray for Alan and Pat this morning. We know they're not here with us and that Alan is doing recovery from the radiation treatments. And we pray, Lord, for your mercies for them. And Lord, we're thankful to have Jim and Lindsay and family here this morning, but we pray for them. And ask, Lord, that God, that you hold them up through these days. And, uh, and we pray for your healing hand, wisdom for doctors and those attending and uh, for your gracious mercies. 
And uh, Lord, there are many others to pray for. We're needy people, but we're so thankful for you, our Heavenly Father, and and we uh, praise you and worship you this morning and ask that you would give us a few moments in your word as we uh, consider your great love for us in Christ Jesus and uh, speak those things that are needful for your people this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look for a few moments here at Inseparable Love. I, I, I knew that I probably would not get through all that I had for you this morning, which is not, nothing new, is it? But um, we, uh, as we consider uh, this wonderful passage in, in, at the end of Romans chapter 8, and consider God's inseparable love for us and that expression of God's love uh, through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, these are, are wonderful things and truths uh, that, that we have uh, to, uh, to build our house upon, the, the rock, uh, the rock of our Lord Jesus Christ and the, and the love of God, uh, the love that will not let us go, the deep, deep love of, of Jesus. Uh, so turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, <coughs> and beginning with 31, I'll read uh, and look at those verses to the end of the chapter. What then shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies, who is the one who condemns. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long, we were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. What a glorious passage and a wonderful thing that we're looking at. There's an inseparable love that has been expressed to you and to me through Jesus Christ. Uh, he saved us to the uttermost. It is eternal life. It is as if, it is not as if uh, one that, that has a suitcase full of a million dollars and he gives us a gift and we receive that gift, we have what? A million dollars. And Christ, God's word says that the, that the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the one that receives that gift of eternal life has how much life? It's not just a thousand years, it's not even a million years, but it's eternal life, it's everlasting life. What a wonderful thing has been given and what an inseparable love has embraced you as God's people. Uh, and we need to bask in that love and in the knowledge 
of God's work that was done through Jesus Christ, that he justified us through faith in Christ's work on the cross of Calvary when he made he who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What an incredible gift and what inseparable love has been given to you as God's people. In verse 31, we find the certainty of our glory. We, we have addressed the certainty of that future glory that God has given to us. And the scripture reads there from Romans 8 and verse 16 that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And we've looked at this wonderful glory that we have as heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ Jesus, when he will return and he will reign and we will be with him as his people, as the bride of Jesus Christ. And the word of Jesus Christ is that we will reign with him, that we will judge angels, and that we will have uh, a place of authority with Jesus Christ because God owns everything. And as heirs, we will be heirs of God. The certainty of our future glory is there and true, and nothing can separate us from that future glory. So in verse 31, we looked at, and there's just a number of things. I want to go back through those that we looked at uh, last time, that God's work causes good. And we know from Romans 8, 28, that the scripture tells us that in regard to our sanctification, our life with Christ, that all things are working together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purposes. You've been called by God to go through and to pass through this fellowship of suffering with Jesus Christ, but God assures us from the promise of his word that all of these things are working together for good. So God is able to orchestrate in and through you what only God can do for you or his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which he before ordained for you to walk in them. God is orchestrating everything, good and bad, in your life to accomplish his will and his purposes. And it's awesome to be given this wonderful calling and responsibility before God. See your trials. See the circumstances that God puts you in as an opportunity. Because what his word says is that these things are working together for good. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He is able. And the walk for us as believers and following after Jesus Christ is to, to lay hold of the Father's will, whatever it is. In this fallen world, in this rebellious world, in this world of trouble and toil, and trials, things are working together for good because God's word says that they are. And lay hold of these promises as we take this pilgrimage on planet earth with mankind's rebellion against God, it'll be a rough ride. But God is there and nothing can separate you 
from his love. Nothing can, uh, can, uh, can take away from his hand which is holding us in Christ Jesus. So God causes things to work together for good because God is for you. It may not seem like it, and these trials come, and this temporary suffering takes place, but God is for you. His word says so. And secondly, we would look at the fact that God uh, is, he works those things together for good. God is for us. And in that verse 31, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Uh, from First Peter, to perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you is God's purposes. He's doing things in your life with whatever he's brought your way. He's working them together. <clears throat> and the way that he's working them together is to perfect your relationship with God, per to perfect that that he's been given to you in Christ Jesus, to hone and shape for he is the great potter and you are clay in his hands as he molds you, as you are his workmanship, as a trophy of grace, as a trophy of the work that Christ will do in you. The process of sanctification is difficult, but it's worth it. It is well worth it to give ourselves by faith into the hands of our creator for whatever he's doing, to trust him, that he will perfect and confirm and strengthen and establish you in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a third point that we'd make here. God freely gives. Uh, and we find uh, from that, that verse that, <clears throat> uh, that God is, is freely giving to us um, <coughs> Uh, his, his grace and Ephesians 1, 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Again, First Peter or Second Peter says that, that he has granted unto us everything that pertains to life and godliness. There's not anything missing in the grace of God that he's supplied for us. And it may seem like it at times, but through our trials and sorrows, it is true that God has supplied and blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And these are things that we can rejoice and celebrate and give praise to God for. And then God justifies us. Uh, and so the scripture here teaches that that uh, in Revelation 12:10 it says, "Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, "Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, and he accuses them before God day and night. We have an accuser. We have one that is an, uh, an, an adversary uh, that accuses us before our Father in heaven. But Christ intercedes for us there, and we've been justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, never to be separated from our heavenly Father, from our God and creator again. And there's a fifth point here, and that is that the resurrected Christ intercedes for us there. And we looked at that last time, but 
Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. In Hebrews 7.25. And that brings us to the place where we left off last time, that the love of Christ keeps us. In 1 John 2, chapters, verses 1 and 2, it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you, that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. So when we commit sin, the scripture in 1 John there in the first chapter, verse 1, 9, chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's our advocate with the Father, and, and the advocate is that word that's used, that Jesus uses for the comforter in John chapter 14. I will send to you another comforter, uh, but we have a comforter in Christ Jesus who intercedes for us before the throne of the Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our hearts and lives. And so we have this wonderful relationship with God that is inseparable, can't be separated, can't be taken away. It's what God has done in Christ Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins, that which broke our fellowship with our God and Creator has been done away with in Christ Jesus. He has taken care of us uh, and, and brought about uh, that salvation in Christ Jesus. So uh, let's consider this, this love of Christ and, and that, that keeps us, that keeps us for all eternity the scripture says in Romans 8, 35, that who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? None of these things can separate us. And basically, Paul is just giving a description of, of trials. And I think much of it that Paul has uh, is pulling out of the the banks there that the Holy Spirit is bringing out are things that Paul personally experienced in his sojourn uh, as an um, uh, apostle for the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice that it says, first of all, who will separate us from the love of Christ. And I want to just make this point as we, we look at this verse, who uh, represents a, a personal force in other words, um, evil is not, it's not a force, okay? Um, and I, I have this, this slide here for you. Um, when we, we look at like John 10, 27, and 30, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I'll give them eternal life and they will never perish. Notice what it says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. So our security is in the hand of Christ and in the hand of God the Father. I mean, we're secure, folks. We're secure in Christ Jesus. But notice that it says that no one, 
Notice that it says in this verse, who will separate us from the love of God? And I want to make this point because I think it's a point that needs to be made. Uh, you know, when we, when we talk about or think about the, the philosophy behind Star Wars, for instance, there's an idea that there's a, a good force and an evil force, and these two forces, uh, take, uh, they have play within us, you know, but it's a force. Evil is a force. But the scripture tells us that evil is personal. It's, it comes through persons, through angelic beings, through human beings. There's rebellion against God. There is evil that comes out of a volitional choice of a person. So when we actually, when we say, <clears throat> you know, we, we hate the evil but not the person, if we separate evil from person, then I think we're, we're, we're looking at, at the wrong things. And, and we're, in a sense, dismissing the, the personal aspect of our sin against God and the, the, the need for us to understand that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that, that the wages of that sin is death and it's, it's serious business and it's personal. And God takes it personally. God had to personally afflict his son for the propitiation of our sins. He paid the full judgment and penalty for our sins on the cross of Calvary. And there would be no relationship with a holy God apart from that affliction, apart from propitiation, <coughs> apart from what God did to his own son, Christ Jesus, on the cross of Calvary. It was serious. It was personal. And it's always personal. Our sins are personal. Our sins which break the fellowship with our God and Creator, with our Heavenly Father, which, uh, <clears throat> which uh, quench the Holy Spirit, which uh, uh, break that communion that we have with God, it's necessary for us to take them to the cross to the one who advocates on our behalf. And this whole process of, of knowing the love of Christ <clears throat> is, is the expression of God's mercy and forgiveness and love for you. Uh, and it's, it's where we must go uh, to that understanding. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And in this sanctification process through the trials and circumstances that fall harshly upon us at times, God is always there. He's ever there to, to support and bear us through. Uh, for we're in the hand of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're in the hands of God the Father. And those hands are powerful hands. None of these things can affect uh, what is taking place in your life. So we're assured of our sanctification. We're assured of our sanctification in Christ Jesus. If he saved us <coughs> from the penalty of our sins, he's going to save us from the power of that sin in your life. He's, there's, there's power. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think. And we can rest assured that he that began a good work within you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's not a matter of you drumming up the strength to, to make yourself pleasing to God or in some way 
earning his favor. It is a matter of understanding the glorious grace of God that he's lavished upon us in Christ Jesus. That's where our freedom is. That's where the victory over sin comes. That's where you as a sinner may know freedom in Christ Jesus because Christ came to set you free. And in this love of Christ, there's freedom for the believer. There's freedom for the one that trusts in him. Now, I want to just take a look. It looks like we're running out of time here. But we're assured of our sanctification, and tribulation cannot separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Tribulation, your difficulties, your hard times cannot separate you from the love of Christ Jesus, from the extent of what he did on the cross of Calvary for you. It can never be relinquished. It is, it is always there. It will always be there. This relationship is like a marriage relationship. It's, it's, it's going to be a done deal. But tribulation is, is the idea of, of crushing or together or squashing or hemming in or compressing or squeezing in. It's that rock and, and hard place that, that I found at 19 years of age when I had nowhere else to go. The tribulation came, and the reality was that I could not save myself. And in a, in a moment of, of brokenness, being crushed by the circumstances, by tribulation, being pressed in and crushed together, uh, there was only one place to go at that point in time. It's not anything that I did. But God in his mercies drew me to that place and in brokenness in a pathetic plea, I cried out to God, save me, God, because I can't take care of myself. I can't do it. I've, go, I've got nowhere to go. That's tribulation. We find this, this displayed in, in the idea here of, of the, uh, the tribulation period with the nation of Israel. We're assured of our sanctification and, and tribulation can't separate us from the love of Christ. And, and as we just looked at this morning, it's a wonderful lesson this morning, um, Guy. Thank you so much for the wonderful job that you did with, with God's scripture about the second coming of Christ Jesus. And Israel, we, uh, the, the view there is that they, when Jerusalem is attacked, that, that the, this remnant of, of the nation comes to Basra, to Petra, this area here that you're seeing in this picture. And there, <coughs> there's a national revival and a recognition that, that the, their Messiah they had crucified, they had, had uh, rejected, and there's a repentance, a national repentance. <coughs> and there, where they're hemmed in by the armies of the Antichrist in these last days, which may not be that far away, brothers and sisters, in these last days, they're at this place called Petra, and they're completely hemmed in. There's nowhere else to go. There's no place to turn. They can only turn to Christ and call out to their Messiah, and in repentance they acknowledge their sin and their rebellion against their God and Creator, against the prophecies that were given, against the many uh, signs that were given that Christ Jesus is your Messiah. And so... Uh, here uh, we see that, that God uses tribulation not to uh, repel us 
or to turn us away, but in the weakness of our human flesh and in the weakness that we have as creatures to turn to God because God is so much more than just a crutch. You know, religion is maybe a crutch, but God is a rock and a fortress. He's a shield and a lifter up of my head. He's the one that is able to save to the uttermost. He is the one that, that knows no limits on his power. He is a great and mighty God. He is glorious in all that he does. <clears throat> his word is true and can be depended upon. His promises are good, and we can rest upon those promises and to know that, that he is working marvelous things that we know not. Eye is not seen. And ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has planned for you. No one can even comprehend the future glory that God has for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to have to close off for this morning, but uh, we'll pick up here next time and, uh, and look at some of these other things. There's some really good stuff here, <laughs> and it's exciting. And I don't want to leave Romans chapter 8. You know, I just, just keep hanging on here. But there's so much to gather for, for the body of Christ. There's so much that, that we have these wonderful jewels of truth that we need to lay hold of. So I want to pray. And our pastor Hager is going to come uh, and um, lead us in a hymn. And uh, the uh, Black family and the Schultz family will... Uh, go uh, into the baptistry and we're going to have a wonderful celebration of the public testimony of, of the salvation of, of four of our young people. And so, Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and mercies to us, uh, for the deep, deep love of our Lord Jesus Christ who is willingly uh, taking the cross of Calvary for the penalty of our sins. And Lord, I pray that the sins of your people here this morning, uh, that as they, their thoughts are directed to things which they, uh, maybe some of them so wish that they could undo but can't be undone, that they know that, uh, that you have not dealt with us after our sins and rewarded us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your mercy over those who fear you. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you separated our transgressions from us. Thank you for the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been given to us as your people. May we walk in it, Lord God. May we know your goodness all the days of our life and express it to one another, God, as you would have us to do, that we might... Love one another as Christ Jesus loved us. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Stand together and sing our closing hymn. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. 
just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that thou art with me, wilt be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all oh, for grace to trust him more. Amen. Please be seated.
awesome. Thank you so much for willingness to be here and support us. We're super excited. Uh, this is like four down, four to go. Yay! Uh, so, uh, Ben, what does it mean to be baptized? To trust that Jesus saved you. What does it mean to be baptized? To show that you're a Christian? Right, to show our outward, it's a picture that shows that we, shows our, our fellow believers that we have believed in what Jesus did to save us from our sins. All right, Ben, are you ready? All right, because upon, uh, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, buried with him in death. To raise, to walk in newness of life. Are you a sinner? A sinner. A sinner. What did Jesus do to save you from your sin? Die on the cross. He died on the cross for our sins. Very good. All right. Are you ready? Okay. Because of your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in death. <laughs> Raised to walk in newness of life. Growing up, the pastor would say, can I get a witness? And I don't have to ask that question. We have you here. Uh, Taina, uh, are you getting baptized so God can save you? No, sir. Are you publicly, uh, are you getting baptized so you can publicly declare what Jesus has done for you? Yes, sir. Have you uh, put your faith in Christ alone? for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. Yes, sir. Hi, Nicole Black. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his death and risen to walk in us.
pray. Are you getting baptized so God can save you? No, sir. Are you publicly uh, making a statement of what uh, Jesus has done for you? Yes, sir. Trey, have you uh, put your faith in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life? Yes, sir. Uh, with that statement in your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Jesus in his death and risen to walk in newness of life. That concludes our service for the day. Um, I would remind, give everyone a reminder that the Awana meeting is next door. Uh, for those of you that are going to take a peek at the Awana ministry, I uh, encourage you to, to join Ron at the back there. Um, and they'll be uh, going over to the Ed building next door for that, that time. Have a blessed week, and let me pray and dismiss us. Father in heaven, we're so blessed uh, at this uh, celebration and worship of you today and for these that have uh, expressed their faith in Jesus Christ and made it public, uh, who's confessed with the mouth and believed in the heart in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're uh, just uh, blessed to, to celebrate that eternal life that has been uh, given uh, to, to these uh, uh, children and our young people in our church and and Father I ask for your blessing upon uh, David and Becca uh, as they uh, continue as parents and and take that responsibility of raising their children and nurture and admonition of the Lord and know how uh, dedicated they are to to doing those things bless them with strength and we pray for Becca's pregnancy, Lord, and, and just commend them to you as parents. We pray for Carly and for Ben and ask, Lord, that you will uh, put your, your spirit and your hand upon their lives and, and direct their steps all of these days. And, and Lord, I, I exhort this church body to pray for them uh, as uh, they uh, begin their walk with you in a, in a very public way. And Lord, I pray for Trey and Tiana, or Taina, and ask, Lord, that your blessing and grace would be upon them, that you uh, would bless uh, Willie and uh, Lissandro in their relationship with, with Trey as he uh, carries on in, in his college work, and, and uh, Taina as she... Uh, carries on in, in school and uh, life at home, that they're uh, blessed with wisdom and, and direction for them as they go. God bless your people as we go today. Uh, may we walk in your spirit and know your presence in every conversation that we have and every opportunity. And may we as your people redeem the time for the days are evil 
and be quick to speak the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to those that have need for every divine appointment that you bring our way. And may our testimony of our life match the words that we speak, Lord, because your spirit is dwelling within us as your people. We pray and ask these things of you in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed week.